PrettyLitter.com, introducing the world's smartest cat litter. Health monitoring litter that won't break the bank or your back. This truly is litter box magic. 15,000 five-star reviews. Say goodbye to that litter box smell. Pretty litter traps odor instantly and then eliminates moisture so you'll never smell your cat's dirty business again. Easier cat care and fresh litter is just around your doorstep. No need to bring baking soda for extra odor or absorption. Ditch the pine pellets and upgraded to silica cat litter. Refill once a month, scoop less, up to 80% lighter. Cat parents are obsessed with this color-changing litter. Unlike traditional litter, pretty litter keeps tabs on your cat's health by changing color. Cats are notorious for hiding illnesses. Pretty litter changes color to tell you when your cat has a potential health issue so you can get them to help before it becomes an urgent medical situation. Pretty litter, silica litter, crystal litter could save you big money on expensive pet bills, not to mention it could save your cat's life. The soil litter will show the following alkalinity. Blue may indicate certain types of urinary tract infections or increased risk of stone formation. Typical dark yellow, olive green coloring indicates urine within a typical range. Acidity orange may indicate a metabolic acidosis or kidney tubular acidosis. Blood red may indicate bladder crystals, feline lower in urinary tract disorder or certain types of kidney disease. How Pretty Litter works. Choose number of cats. Tell Pretty Litter how many cats you have and they'll know how much litter to send you. They have options for grocery scenario for every scenario. Get your litter delivered every month. Pretty Litter's lightweight cat litter is delivered to your door. Refill once a month. Pretty Litter's non-clump advanced formula means you need less kit litter compared to traditional clay litter with clumping formula save money. Pretty Litter will save you money on potential vet bills through er every de early detection plus on average cost less per month compared to leading brand competitors. Cleaner and safer Pretty Litter is made from clean effective materials that help control odor and Reduce dust while also being family and pet safe. Household friendly, less dust, less mess, 99.9% .9 dust free. Everyone's talking about Pretty Litter. Veterinarian seal of approval. Why Pretty Litter is better. Advanced odor control. Pretty Litter super absorbent silica gel litter. Eliminates smells. Ultra light and delivered free. Stop hauling a giant bag of litter from the store. Monitor your cat's health. Crystals change color to help detect early signs of illnesses. The Pretty Litter promise Pretty Litter to take some of the stress out of cat parenting so you can focus on what matters most, living a long and happy life together. Pretty Litter was invented to give cat parents peace of mind knowing that they can keep daily tabs on their cat's health. To further take care of your cat's health, Pretty Litter developed Pretty Please, a premium grab grain-free cat food to support your companion in all stages of life. Look for a special introductory offer when you add Pretty Litter. Pretty Please to your Pretty Litter order at checkout. 30-day guarantee. That try Pretty Litter at risk-free for 30 days. If for 
Any reason you're not completely satisfied, just return within 30 days and Pretty Litter will issue a full refund. Get started today. Try Pretty Litter. Talkspace.com Feeling better starts with a single message. Support for individual therapy for me, couples therapy for us, teens ages 13 to 17, psychiatry, medication management. Talkspace accepts insurance rated number one online therapy, 1 million users, employee stress check report, what's behind the great resignation, read the results of this year's survey, introducing more flexibility, learn about how Talkspace has updated their line sessions format to better serve you. Mental health checkup. Take a short online test to get answers about your mental health, how Talkspace works, brief assessment, answer a few questions about your preferences, pick your therapist, select from a list of recommendations, start therapy, begin the journey toward a happier you, benefit the Talkspace, eliminate commuting time and scheduling hassles, flexible plans to meet your needs and lifestyle, seamlessly switch therapies at no extra cost, save money while Returning, receiving high-quality care, ready to get started. Talkspace offers comprehensive online mental health treatment options to meet all your needs via video, messaging, or phone. Online therapy, ongoing support from a licensed therapist, couples therapy, relationship-centered therapy that connects you and your partner. Teen therapy, specialized therapy for ages 13 to 17, psychiatry, valuations, and Psychic medications management, more than 60,000 five-star reviews, licensed providers providing a range of specialties to meet your specific needs of, in areas like depression, relationships, anxiety, and stress, parenting, LGBTQIA, chronic illness, eating disorders, anger management, childhood abuse, mood disorders, old trauma and grief, no, OCD, trauma and grief, substance abuse, family conflict, and much more. Get matched today. Talkspace versus face-to-face therapy. 80% found Talkspace to be as effective or more effective than traditional therapy. 98% found Talkspace to be more convenient than traditional therapy. And Talkspace for business. Talkspace partners with employers, health plans, and schools to make mental health care more available and, and affordable. Good morning. Hope you enjoyed your hour less of sleep last night. This week's true crime story is the Oakland County Child Killings. The Oakland County Child Killer, OCCK, is the name given to the perpetrator or perpetrators responsible for the killings of at least four children in Oakland County, Michigan in 1976 and 1977. The victims were held captive before being killed in forensic testing Forensic DNA testing has indirectly implicated two suspects, one of whom has since died, with the other serving life in prison for offenses against children. A DNA profile created from samples taken from some of the victims' bodies is from the main perpetrator, but does not match the DNA of anyone named in connection with the case, and his identity is unknown. Background. Between February 15, 1976 and March 16, 1977, two boys and two girls ages 
aged between 10 and 12 years old, went missing outside their homes and route to or from another location in Oakland County, Michigan. Each child's body was discovered in a public area within 19 days of his or her disappearance. The children were all either strangled or shot, and with the two boys having been sexually abused. The four deaths triggered a murder investigation, which at the time was the largest in U.S. history, with Detroit's two daily newsmen, as well as the area's numerous radio and television stations. Covering the case, a presentation on WXYT radio entitled Winter's Fear, the Children, the Killer of the Search, won the Peabody Award in 1977. Victims confirmed Mark 7-12 of Ferndale did not return home from an American Legion Hall on February 15, 1976. His body was found four days later, wearing the same clothes he was last seen in, lying in a snowbank in the parking lot of a local office building. He had been strangled and sexually abused with a foreign object and had two lacerations to the left rear of his head. Rope marks were evident on both of his wrists and ankles, indicating he had been bound during his captivity. Jill Robinson, 12, of Royal Oak, left her home on December 22, 1976, following an argument with her mother over dinner preparations. The following day, her bicycle was found behind a hobby, local hobby store before her body was found alongside Interstate 75 in Troy, within view of Troy Police Station on the morning of December 26. She had been shot in the face with a 12-gauge shotgun, and her body was fully clothed and wearing the backpack she had taken with her when she left home. Christine Mihilich, 10, of Berkeley, was reported missing on January 2, 1977, after she failed to return home from a 7-Eleven store in Oakshire. A male carrier found her fully clothed body 19 days later on the side of a rural road in Franklin Village. She had been smothered to death less than 24 hours earlier, and her body lay within view of nearby homes. Timothy King, 11, left his home in Birmingham and went to a drugstore on the evening of March 16, 1977, after he failed to return home. An intensive search covering the Detroit the entire Detroit metropolitan area was conducted before his body was found on the evening of March 22nd by two teenagers in, shallow, in a shallow ditch alongside Gill Road in Lavinia. He had been sexually assaulted with a foreign object and suffocated approximately six hours earlier. Suspected, there were other abductions and murders around the Oakland County area within the same period. These are not specifically tied to the four bids above due to variations in the cases. Cynthia Kiddo, 16, of Roseville, was found bludgeoned to death on January 16, 1976, in Bloomsville Township. Bloomfield Township. Jane Allen, 14, was found dead in a river in Miami, Miamisburg, Ohio, on August 11, 1976, four days after she accepted a ride while hitchhiking in Royal Oak. She had died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Disproved, Sheila Chirac, 14, was raped and shot dead while babysitting in Birmingham on January 20, 1976. Her killer, Oliver Rose Anderson, had burglarized several homes in the neighborhood earlier that evening, and the neighbor witnessed while shoveling snow his proof, his roof. Andrews was sentenced to life imprisonment. Possible Kimberly Ellis King, 12, disappeared from Warren on September 15, 1979. Authorities believe she was abducted and that her disappearance is connected to the unsolved killings. Investigation after the discovery of Christine Mihalich's body, authorities noted similar shared by our case and those of Mark Stebbins and Joe Robinson, and reports were released warning the public that a serial killer was possibly operating in the Oakland County area. The Michigan State Police led a group of law enforcement officials from 13 communities in the formation of a task force devoted solely to the investigation into the ch- killings of the three children. After Timothy King disappeared, a woman told authorities she had seen a boy with a skateboard like King talking to a man in the parking lot of the drugstore that King went to on March 16, 1977. A composite drawing of a suspected kidnapper and his blue AMC 
gremlin was released and the authorities questioned every gremlin owner in Oakland County. Investigators created a profile based on witnesses' descriptions of the man seen talking to King, a white male aged between 25 and 35 with a dark complexion, shaggy hair, and sideburns, who had a job that gave him freedom of movement and made him appear trustworthy to children, was familiar with the area and could keep children captive for long periods of time without rousing neighbor suspicions. The task force checked more than 18,000 tips, which resulted in about two dozen arrests on unrelated charges and discovery of a multi-state child pornography ring operating on North Box Island in Lake Michigan. The task force was able to make much headway in the investigation disbanding in December 1978 with the investigation being turned over to the state police. Suspects and persons of interest. A few weeks after the death of Timothy King, a psychiatrist who worked with the task force received a letter riddled spelling errors written by an anonymous author, Allen, in quotations, claiming to be <coughs> a central masochist slave of Frank, in quotations, the OCCK in, qu in quotations, Allen in quotations wrote that they had both served in the Vietnam War and that Frank in quotations was traumatized by having killed children and had taken revenge on more affluent citizens such as the residents of Birmingham wanted rich people to suffer for sending forces to Vietnam. Allen in quotations expressed fear and remorse in his letter saying he was losing his sanity and was then endangered and suicidal and admitted to having accompanied Frank in quotations as the latter sought boys to kill. Allen in quotations instructed the psychiatrist to respond by printing the code words Weather Bureau says, says trees to bloom in three weeks in quotations in that Sunday's free press edition before offering to provide photographic evidence in exchange for immunity from prosecution. The psychiatrist agreed to meet Allen in quotations at the bar, but Allen in quotations did not show up and was never heard from again. Archibald Edward Sloan, a child molester who victimized young boys in his neighborhood, became a person of interest after hair samples found in his 1966 Pontiac Bonville match hair found on the body of Timothy King and Mark Simmons, but the hair was not from Sloan himself. A witness claimed to have seen Timothy King being abducted by two men, one described as being in his late 20s, and the other described as bearing a strong relationship to John Wayne Gacy, who was allegedly in Michigan around the time of the killings. Gacy's DNA did not match DNA found on the victim's bodies. Police in Parma Heights, Ohio arrested Ted Lamborghini, a retired auto worker believed to have been involved in a child porn ring in the 1970s. On March 27, 2007, a visit to Detroit television station WXYZ that Lamborghini was considered the top suspect in the case. Lamborghini pleaded guilty into 15 sex-related counts sex-related counts involving young boys rather than accept a plea bargain that would have required him to take a polygraph test on the Oakland County child killings. Lamborghini also rejected an offer to a reduced sentence in exchange for a polygraph on the case. In October 2007, the family of Mark Simmons filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Lamborghini, seeking $25,000. The lawsuit alleges Lamborghini, who lived in Metro Detroit in the late 1970s, abducted Mark and held him captive in a Royal Oak house for four days in February 1976 before smothering him to death during a sexual assault. Lamborghini has never been formally linked or charged in the death of Mark Stebbins. Attorney David A. Binkley has sought compensation, including funeral costs, for Stebbins' brother Michael, but stressed that money is secondary. This case sparked new interest when Timothy King's father, Barry, and brother Chris tried to get the Michigan State Police to release information about Chris Bush, the son of Harold Lee Bush, a high-level journalist 
executive Chris Bush had been in police custody shortly before Timothy's abduction for suspected involvement in child pornography. He allegedly committed suicide in November 1978. There was no gunshot residue found on him, though, and no blood spatter whatsoever. Furthermore, there were four shell cases found in his room. He was also found wrapped neatly under his sheets. There was one bullet hole between his eyes. No blood and blood-stained ligatures were found in his apartment, as was a hand-drawn image of a boy closely resembling Mark Stebbins screaming in agony, which was found pinned to a wall to the wall in which Bush had allegedly committed suicide. There had been no confirmed activity by the Oakland County child killer for nearly 20 months prior to Bush's death. The Michigan State Police have since released 3,400 pages of investigative records to Barry King. Investi- resumed investigation and new evidence. Investigation reports released to family of the victims. Police reports obtained by Barry King include, included new revelations, including DNA testing of new suspects, a sketch found at the skin of Bush's suicide of a boy resembling Mark Stevenson screaming in abject terror and wearing a hoodie, hooded sweatshirt and a bloodied rope, also found at the scene of Bush's suicide. Catherine Broad's sister, Timothy King, compiled an archive of investigation material as the case grew. Upon researching the case records, the King family produced a documentary entitled Decades of Deceit. The documentary condemns investigators and prosecutors for alleged shoddy investigations and uncooperative communication, and in particular disregarding leads the King family discovered in 2006. Funds generated for the sale of the documentary were donated to the Tim King Fund, designated to help abuse children and support children, child activities for Birmingham children. Tests, DNA tests of hair. Forensic DNA tests conducted in 2012 showed that hair found on the seat of convicted child was Archibald Ed Sloan's 1966 Pontiac Bonneville and, and on the bias of victims Mark Stebbins and Timothy King were a match and came from the same unknown man. The DNA, the hair DNA does not match Sloan but implicates someone he knew or lent his car to. Current developments, 2012 case reopening. In 2013, an anonymous informant reported a blue AMC gremlin buried in a farm field now being developed in Grand Blanc. Police are investigating the gremlin for ties to the crime as Timothy King was last seen in a blue gremlin. Jeff Gannon. In 2005, an unidentified man who would later emerge to become a common figure in the case has, and has been referred to by the alias of Jeff was reminded of a relationship he had in 1970 with an acquaintance in an interview given to Oakland County investigators in 2010. Jeff informed them of atypical observations and actions while driving and conversing with the acquaintance, such as taking him to billets where satanic rituals were performed according to the acquaintance. <coughs> the acquaintance navigated through lesser-known routes associated with the case with ease. The acquaintance also spoke with uh, details written in Allen's letter. Jeff requested information about the Allen letter to help confirm his suspicions, but was denied. In 2010, Jeff gave a recorded interview to Oakland County investigators and prosecutor Jessica Cooper to present evidence pertaining to the investigation. Jeff claimed to have tried to approach her with his findings and to convince her to place the case under the jurisdiction of the Department of Justice to expedite the case the department was already involved as FBI investigators and through resources such as the VICAP database. Prosecutor Cooper dismissed his suggestion, and as there was no new evidence presenting his request to inspect, the Allen letter was denied. Cooper describes the interview on the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office blog as a rambling statement outlining a theory that the Oakland County child killer abductions and murders were related to pagan holidays, the lunar calendar, and Wiccan rituals. 
Jeff proceeded to correspond with Deborah Jarvis, mother of victim Christine Mihalich, and investigative journalists such as Bill Proctor and Heather Catalo in 2010. He claimed that he was among a team of dozen investigators involved with the case and could identify the perpetrator of the crimes but refused to indicate which law enforcement division he worked for. He claimed to investigate $10,000 into the investigation over several years but was reluctant to release the results as he doubted the competence of Wayne and Oakland County investigators. In a press release email, Jeff indicated possible mailing by Jessica Cooper and other regions as to why he had not made his investigation public. According to Paul Hughes and the court and attorney representative Jarvis, Jeff's investigation discovered the murderer. However, according to Hughes, Jeff refused to identify the culprit unless the authorities divulged crucial information which Jeff requested during the initial phone questioning in 2010. Jeff wanted to positively confirm the identity of a suspect using the police for evidence before, before further, proceeding further. In 2012, Jeff presented his findings to a select group of Detroit journalists on Hughes' cell phone to, discuss, to preserve his anonymity. He insisted that his phone interview with Hughes not be recorded. He theorized that the killers were conducting wicked human sacrifice rituals coinciding with pagan celebrations or the lunar calendar. According to Jeff, there were a total of approximately 11 to 16 victims, significantly more than the four officially confirmed victims. Jeff claimed his team found a number of similarities among the cases that were highly unlikely to be purely coincidental. Based on this information, Hughes attempted a lawsuit against Oakland County authorities for $1 million citing mishandling of the investigation and demanding Cooper's resignation. The lawsuit alleged a cover-up conspiracy and construction obstruction. The lawsuit alleged a cover-up conspiracy and obstruction. Hughes' website solicited those solicitors offered a copy of Jeff's report for a donation of $1,500. The family, families of the victims and Cooper claimed that Hughes and Jeff were attempting to profit on their distress. The case was dismissed in March 2012 for lack of evidence. Arch Sloan. In February 2019, the SS Discovery Channel aired a two-part, four-hour document about the killings at this same time. Time WXYZ TV investigator reporter Heather Catalo announced that a key suspect convicted child sex offender Arch Edward Sloan had failed a polygraph test when he was interviewed by the Oakland County Child Killer Task Force in 2010 and 2012. Back in 2012, new DNA technician found that Sloan's car in 1966 bundle contained air with the same mitochondrial profile as evidence found in his victims. However, it was not Sloan's. Thanks for listening to this account of the Oakland County child killer. Stay tuned next week for another true crime story. Stay safe, and as always, thank you for listening.